Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Chaotic Devotion. Um, man, this has been a weird few days. I got sick on Saturday morning, and uh, I'm still a little bit under the weather here on Wednesday. Um, but I was definitely sick the last four days, and I was had all these plans about um, you know recording a podcast on Easter Sunday and talking about the resurrection and just kind of. Finishing up the Holy Week, uh, three episodes that I was going to do, and and then just, you know, with all of that, just kind of had a weird uh, wrench uh, thrown into my plans, and um, I'm just going to roll with it, and, uh, you know, take it for what it is, and be thankful that I am healing and feeling better, and, um, you know, there's, uh, there is some beauty in it, I got some much needed rest, and I was able to kind of recuperate and and just kind of uh sit back and think because that's all i was really doing was laying in bed resting keeping hydrated and just kind of uh to my thoughts as i was um you know whether it be watching tv or or something like that just kind of mindlessly going through the day trying to trying to hold up and and trying to trying to get better uh no i did not have the virus um uh i did one of the virtual doctor visits and i'm Apparently, I uh, was struggling with sinusitis, which is, um, you know, pretty par for the course for me because considering I do need uh, nasal surgery, but that's a whole different story. But, you know, the more that I was just kind of sitting there and I was thinking about things, uh, you know, before all of this happened, one of the things that really weighed on my mind about church in general was kind of the division that we have in church. Um... And what I mean by that is we're divided by a lot of different things. If you think about how many different types of churches there are, and even within denominations, there's so many different, uh, quote-unquote, what I like to call flavors of denominations, especially, you know, I grew up in the Baptist church. And so, you know, there's like a lot of different types of Baptists. There's like free will Baptist, Southern Baptist, uh, missionary Baptist. I mean, you can, I could sit here and name you know, a few others as well. It, it's kind of weird how, um, you know, how even amongst the denomination that, you know, that there's so many, and then you compare that to the different denominations like uh, Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Church of Christ, and there's just so many others, uh, non-denominational. I mean, there's just uh, so many divisions uh, within our beliefs and then the way that we interpret Scripture and at times it could be a little bit chaotic not to not to make a pun on on the title of uh of this channel but it really can get kind of jargled and especially to unbelievers who are not used to that and don't really know the difference between any of the churches and then even amongst your denomination splits that you're you're going to have older churches younger churches black churches white churches Hispanic churches. I mean, there's so many different ways that we have dwindled down uh, from being one church and just kind of branched out. And there's so many different things that are different um, that, you know, maybe they happen and we feel like we have to kind of start our church over here because we're not like the rest of the people here, you know, whatever the case may be. Um I think one of the funniest stories, and it's not funny because obviously churches splitting is not funny 
but just the premise of why they split was pretty funny. I was um, at a church one time, and the pastor was telling me a story that uh, that the origins of their church, they were um, a a Baptist church, uh, in, and they were a part of the uh, Missionary Baptist Association, or the BMA, as what it's known as, and um, and so they were a missionary Baptist. And so they had this, this church, and it was not where it was currently located, it was more kind of in the woods and um, in a remote location, and... Um, there became a split because uh, they this group wanted to start a new church because they didn't like the way that the church in general was doing their missions. And whether that had to do with finances or sending people out or with missionaries, what I, I don't know the particulars on that. Uh, but that's what it boiled down to. And what's funny is this new church split, uh, this new branch, I guess you could call it, when they started their church... Instead of being a BMA church, they decided to associate themselves with the Southern Baptist Convention, and but they still call themselves Missionary Baptist, but it's in the title only, which is kind of misleading for a lot of Missionary Baptist churches because you know when um, you know when you're kind of familiar with the different associations uh, of Baptist, um, you know when you when you see a church sign that says so-and-so missionary Baptist church, your, your mind, especially the way that I grew up with my dad being a pastor, your mind automatically associates that with a particular type of, of church. And what's funny is, is that that particular church, even though they had missionary Baptists in the name, they're actually a Southern Baptist church, which honestly, uh, you, some people might not realize that there are actually quite a bit of differences between the missionary Baptist churches and Southern Baptist um, and namely one of them being is a lot, and this is not a general blanket statement for all of them, but generally speaking, most BMA churches are going to be kind of a King James only, uh, type of church. They're very, uh, conservative, old school, um, you know, that kind of thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but that's kind of the, this, I guess the, the stereotype that you would, you would give them. Uh, if you were to put them into a box. And uh, what's interesting about this branch off of the church, of course, this is happening in the early 1900s. We're talking like 1917, something like this. And uh, and so, you know, they start this new church because they want to do missions different. And so they call themselves Missionary Baptist Church, but they're associated with the Southern Baptist. Uh, which, you know, like I said, with my upbringing, I find that just completely hilarious because, uh, like I said, it, it can be a little bit deceiving because someone might go to that church thinking, okay, well, this is a particular type of church. Uh, this is what we can expect from here, so I'm going to go here. And then they come there and they completely find out that it has, <laughs> you know, it's nothing like they would have thought it was. And, and honestly, a lot of, for a majority of folk, You'll go into a church really not having a whole lot of expectations, especially about the specific denominations or associations. But I grew up in this. You know, I uh, my dad's been a Baptist preacher since before I was born. So, you know, I've gotten the inside track on the different denominations, associations, and different ways that, um, that Baptists believe and, and things like that. Um, so for me, it was kind of funny knowing, you know, growing up and kind of knowing, you know, that 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 split in and of itself was kind of interesting. And it was kind of honestly, 
if you really think about it, it was kind of a slap in the face to the Missionary Baptist Church because it was, um, you know, basically saying that you guys are not doing what your name says it's supposed to be doing. Um, well, lo and behold, a few years later, and I honestly don't know the time frame on this one, but the original church branch, uh, or the original whole church, I guess you could call it, uh, actually moved their building just a couple of blocks down from the original, or from the branch off church, and they ended up calling themselves First Missionary Baptist Church of this particular town. And uh, I just thought that was hilarious because not only did they want to, you know, move into the town like the other branch did, but then they, they wanted people to know, like, hey, we were the first ones here. And it's just kind of one of those weird feuds, uh, you know, and then you and you kind of talk to people from the different ones. And they're actually uh, some of the older folk actually kind of um, remember at least their parents who. Uh, maybe had mentioned it and there was some kind of bad blood and, and things like that between the two churches. And it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's kind of sad in one, in one respect because, you know, you don't want the divisions in the church. And then, um, but you know, I, at the same time, it just, is like, if you're looking at it from an outside perspective, it's kind of funny. And, and, um, because it's, you know, it's kind of watching siblings squabble, you know, um, that it really just doesn't amount to a pile of beans in the, at the end of the day anyway. Um, and since they're squabbling over here about useless stuff, they're really not focused on what they should be focused on. And, uh, um, you know, and then you start thinking about, you know, and I really, I really want to tread lightly, but be very blunt. I, I don't really know how to put this is that I don't just want to skip over the fact that we're still racially divided in our churches for the most part. Uh, we do have a few churches that are, are doing it right, where there's a, just a, a, a good mix of a lot of different types of people and coming together as one. But generally speaking, our churches are, are racially still divided, um, especially because you, we can still put a tag, oh, that's a white church, or this is a black church, or this is a Hispanic church, or this is a Korean church, or Asian church, or whatever the whatever the case may be. And that's just here in America. I'm not even talking about worldwide. I'm talking about, you know, honestly, even in the town that I live in, uh, you can, uh, you know, kind of divide them out, honestly. Um, and what's funny is all the churches will say, well, you know, hey, it doesn't matter who you are, you're welcome. But at the same time, you know, there's very little interaction between them. And, um, you know, so growing up, though, uh, again, I, I really want to uh, tread lightly as far as, you know, not wanting to offend anybody. Uh, but at the same time, I'm just going to be honest. But the the town that I grew up in, in East Texas, it, it was pretty much normal to be racist. Um, I joke, but it's it's very pretty much true that I actually had to learn how to not be racist. Uh, because it was just the norm to to just kind of divide up and to you know look at other people as inferior if they don't look like you or if they don't I mean that was even amongst uh, Caucasian people like if um, you know especially in our town you know if you if you aren't you know just a hillbilly redneck or country boy or ranch boy whatever you whatever tag you put on that persona if you weren't like that then you really honestly weren't welcome either if you were labeled as quote unquote a city slicker or city boy or whatever the whatever the name that you would get thrown at you. Um so and you know, even amongst ourselves we were divided and and that, you know, much less being or even much more so 
uh, amongst the different races that that we had, and you know, it was, um, you know, it was a regular thing to just in casual conversation hear racial slurs and things that, uh, you know, um, that. It was just kind of normal, you know, and and I, I honestly, as a twenty nine year old, I you know I, I, now I do see the the problem and all that. But when you're growing up and that's the normal thing, and you haven't been enlightened to uh, something better, uh, being taught that, and you know you just you don't know it's because it's normal and and it's just the way you grew up, and and you sometimes you really don't even mean. In fact, a lot of times you didn't mean offense by it. You didn't mean any kind of discriminatory. It's just um, you know, labels, uh, but, you know, obviously growing up and maturing, I realized, um, that, you know, that's definitely not okay. It's not the right thing. And, um, and, you know, just being very real and vulnerable with you guys, uh, I'm completely, um, guilty of using some of those. Um, I remember one time in high school and I can't believe I'm actually talking about this, but I used one, uh, towards an individual and, Honestly, I think I still remember it because it was one of my worst regrets in my life because of the way that the way that it happened and then the the conversations that ensued after that and the hatred um backlash that happened after that um because of what I said it, it really just caused a lot of problems. And you know, number 1, not to mention that it it completely ruined the witness that I had um, because as soon as you let that cat out of the bag and, and direct that towards someone in an offensive way, you can't take it back. And, uh, especially being in a small town, you know, news of that kind of stuff spread like wildfire and it was very chaotic at that point. Um, and you know, there were some threats towards me and rightfully so. Like, uh, I, I have no qualms looking back on it now and saying like, you know, if, if I would have got a beat down, I would have absolutely deserved it. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, you know, thankfully I have matured a lot, uh, since I was 17 and a senior in high school. And, uh, honestly, I feel like getting out, um, there's nothing wrong with East Texas. There's nothing wrong with the town that I grew up in. In fact, it's, I'm very blessed to have grown up with the people that I grew up with, but honestly leaving and being able to expand my horizons, being around other types of people, um, and just being more open-minded to, you know, there's, there's different ways that people grew up and there's, uh, there's different types of people and, and we're all in this together. And it honestly took kind of moving out and branching out on my own and, uh, kind of to, you know, figure that out and to really mature in that way. And I'm glad I did. Um, and honestly, that person's probably not listening to this podcast, but if they ever happen to listen, they'll know exactly, uh, that, that it's them that I'm talking about. And I hope that if you ever listen to this, that, um, I know I've apologized a trillion times about it, but I am sorry, uh, for what I did. And, um, I wish that I could take it back, but I know I can't. Um, but I really wish back then that, Instead of creating division um, in such a small school that we had, you know, instead of creating that division, instead of trying to unite us in Christ, because there was um, even just in our small town um, population, barely 400 or less um, that, you know, there was several different types of churches 
And, um, man, we really could have made a difference there. And I think that's one of my biggest regrets early on when I was uh, first uh, saved and, and became a believer is that I just don't think that I took that faith seriously and didn't take it, um, uh, you know, as, yeah, I guess basically I took it for granted that, okay, yeah, I'm saved, so the heck to everybody else. And I didn't use the platforms that I had because I had a few different leadership positions in in the school and then also at uh, the church that my dad was a pastor at. I had a lot of different platforms to really make a difference. And honestly, I, I squandered it away and, and uh, you know, didn't make the best of it. And uh, I do regret that. Um, I know that we're not supposed to kind of live in the past and, and we're supposed to move on and and that, but I remember those times for my sake because I want to remember what not to be. I want to remember how to move on from that and how to be better. If I don't know and I don't acknowledge the mistakes that I made, I can't be able to improve because I won't know where to start. Um, and so, you know, sometimes I get a general reminder, I guess it's from the Holy Spirit. Or just my crazy mind that, um, hey, you, you, you've come a long way, but it's not your own doing. It's what, you know, God's been slowly working on me and, and chiseling me out to be the man that he wants me to be. And I've got a long way to go. Um, I think we all do. Uh, but I still have sin in my life that I struggle with. I have some, some, just some demons, uh, that, that I just, uh, you know, I struggle with. And I think if we're all honest with each other, uh, we all do. And I think a lot of times that we try to, you know, divide ourselves because we want to be with like-minded people because when we're with, we're, when we're with like-minded people, we usually don't point out each other's struggles um, because we're all struggling with the same thing and they're usually blind to it. Um, so sometimes I think that that's why we divide out into our little groups and our little boxes and then don't stray much from it because when you, it's only when you really come across somebody who's different that they realize that you kind of realize because they 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 make it known to you sometimes by telling you or just by the way that they live. Like, hey man, I do things a little bit differently and and uh, and maybe not in the right way that I should be because you know I either see it being played out in front of me or I um, or they just straight up tell me, like, dude, you're you're wrong about this, um, and so. You know, that's one thing that's just kind of always been on my heart for a very long time is that why can't we come together and and worship together and be a church together, uh, whether that's between races or between economic statuses or between, you know, whatever denominations or, or whatever it is. And that's what I'm really thankful about the church that we go to, even though we're quote unquote Baptist we really more or less operate like a non-denominational uh, church. And really you just, it's a biblical church. It's one that is, um, that's very much so we try to do business in a, such a way that's biblical and trying to do exactly what the word says. We I mean, to always get it right. Nobody's perfect. Um, but any kind of rules or or um, sanctions or, or whatever you want to call them that we put into place, it's it's after very careful consideration of scripture and things like that. Um, but there's no discrimination. We have people from all walks of life 
uh, at our church worshiping together. And honestly, that's one of the most beautiful things that I love about our church is that um, you're not just going to see a one type of person. You're going to see um, all different people from all different socioeconomic statuses. There's all different races um, and backgrounds and ethnicities are represented in our congregation. And, um, and I really feel like, you know, that's the way it should be. And, and even we, um, who are more diverse than most churches in, in general, um, I'm sure there are, are quite a few churches that are even more diverse than ours, but just kind of in, in the general sense, um, or, or at least compared to the stereotypical um, Baptist church, that we are a lot more diverse, so, and even so, uh, the age gap. I mean, we have uh, so several elder members, but in and lots of kids, and everybody in between, um, just all different types. I don't know really a good word to just you know talk about the different types of people other than the word types. Uh, but we have all sorts of people that are just coming together to worship and, and be together and. Uh, what I'd really like for that is that for the church as a whole to do that on a wider scale and to, uh, instead of having a black church or a white church or a Hispanic church or an Asian church or this church or that church, that we just have the church. And sure, we may worship separately oh, uh, for different reasons as far as, you know, worship styles or things like that. But, uh, I I'm, you know, obviously in a perfect world, we'd all be worshiping in the same building together. But if we're not going to, at least coming together to do stuff together. You know, say, hey, we're all in this together. We're all believers. We're all following after Jesus Christ. And we are having one common goal of spreading the gospel. And we're going to work together to do that. Um, uh, but, you know, growing up, uh, even in the town that I did, that we had a... a um, something that we called the, um, uh, I don't really know what, what it was honestly called, but it was between seven different churches and we called it a revival. Um, oh, it was the, it was the highway 95 revival. Um, uh, and so there was a lot of, there's about seven different churches that would come together every, I think I want to say it was every fifth Sunday or something like that, or third Sunday. I don't know what it was. There was a particular, uh, pattern that we followed, but each time, we would it would be on a Sunday night, and we would meet at a at a different church. Uh, one of those seven, I think there was about seven churches involved, and it and it kind of encompassed about three or four different communities centered around this one farm to market road. And uh, but when we would meet at a church, another pastor or another speaker from another church would actually speak at that church. Um. And, uh, and so it was really cool to see, you know, we had a, a couple of, of African-American churches that were there. Uh, we had, uh, you know, a couple of uh, missionary Baptist churches, and we had Southern Baptists. We had, you know, just a few different ones involved that would come together and, and worship together. And one of the cool things, um, when I was, um, I was saved when I was 14, but when I turned 15, I surrendered to the ministry. Um, I was definitely a young guy, but I knew that God had called me uh, to to ministry and to to some sort of uh, you know I don't know 
I don't think that pastoring was ever really my thing, even though I, I tried with the youth pastoring and, and I don't, I've never felt called to be a, a senior pastor anywhere or, you know, right now I don't feel called at all to be on church staff. Um, but God is really, you know, from early on, he gave me a gift of, uh, being able to, to speak and to be able to feel comfortable in front of people and, and talking about my faith and talking about scripture and, and being able to formulate that into something that I can present. Um, and so I felt that call really early, but as a 15 year old, it was pretty cool because when we, one of those Sunday nights, when we had one of those revivals, um, I got to speak at one of the black churches. And, and for those of you who were on, I just want a side note, uh, who might get offended by me calling it black versus African-American or white or honkies or whatever. I, I don't mean anything by it. Um, it's just, it is what it is. Um, but one of the, one of the cool things that I got to do was actually preach at one of those churches when we were doing the revival and, it was actually one of the the most cool experiences that I ever had because on those nights, especially in a rural town like that, who you know, and I mentioned earlier, and I know a lot of people from there, if they ever listen to this, they would get super mad at me for saying what I say and they think I'm lying or whatever. But if you really just dig deep down, uh, you know that what I'm saying is the truth and we do, we did, and I don't know how it is still is, but we definitely used to have some racial division, um, and, uh, and some prejudice, even though we might've been more apt to hang out together and do things together. There was still the prejudice there. Um, it might not have been the full out, you know, racism of, of the early days, but it was definitely a, uh, you could definitely draw a line between us if if we really tried. So to be able to see a community like that, be able to worship together and put aside any differences and uh and just to to sing praises together, have fun together, and of course, you know, we do what good Baptists do and we eat afterwards, so that that never hurt either. Um but it was one of the coolest experiences to be able to preach in a different setting and to a uh, a different array of, of types of people, different backgrounds. Um, and so, you know, that was an experience that I think I really took for granted as a, as a 15 year old that I, I don't think I really understood the, the privilege that I got, uh, then to, um, you know, to have that experience because a lot of times, you know, we still stay in our bubbles and we don't really, um, there's not a lot of inner church re- interactions sometimes, um, and so to have that, uh, that group of six or seven churches that decided, you know what, enough is enough. We're going to, we're going to do this together. And, um, there were several events, uh, from time to time, even outside of the quote unquote revivals that we would have the, the meetings that we would have, that we would have do other events and things together. And all the pastors, uh, they grouped up and, and would, um, meet with each other and, and, uh, you know, just kind of go over things together and, and see if there was a need that could be fulfilled between the churches. And, um, there was just a, a unity, honestly, between the different types of churches and, and the different people in them. And it was a very beautiful thing to, to see and be a part of. Um, like I said, definitely something that I took for granted. Um, but I, I think that's always been my dream is to just see more of that happen. 
And I don't know why, but some of these uh, movies that have been coming out um, have been really enlightening, you know, that talk about the racial tensions of the the 50s and 60s or sometimes even before. Um, And, you know, watched one last night, um, a movie that, you know, really touched me because it made me think, because I I kept asking myself as I saw uh, the white people in this movie, I'm like, were we really that racist? You know, were did people really do that? Um, because, you know, we hear about it and we think about it. And unless we experienced it, then we don't really know. And so for those of you who did experience it and you knew how racist uh, some white people were, if not all of us, uh, then, you know, you you know uh, how that was. But And you could call us out on that and, and how we were as a people. Um, but, you know, I... I wasn't in that era to be able to see that kind of hate, that kind of prejudice, even though we had our own, we had our own struggles and the only, the only, our own things that we dealt with when it come to uh, division amongst races and churches and uh, just people in general. Um, but it, the magnitude of it wasn't as great. And so when I see these movies or read the books about the way uh, that African-American people were treated, um, by, uh, by white people. And you're like, you just kind of, you know, you're set back when you, when you realize that stuff actually did happen. And I've never been in denial about it because, uh, you know, obviously being taught in different things in school and, and, and from experiences, uh, being shared by people who did go through those things, um, you knew it was there, but you just, I think you come to a point where you realize, man, it was a lot bigger than I ever thought it was. And that there was um, a huge problem and then there still is today. And then there's, there's a lot of things that we should improve upon and really work towards. And, and even though we have come a long way from where those times were, we're still honestly nowhere where we need to be. Um, and that's not just talking about racism, but is just in the way that we look at anybody that's not ourselves. Um, we have this tendency to to put ourselves on a pedestal and think of everybody else that's different from us as beneath us or inferior to us. And I don't think that just happens with a certain race or a certain creed or ethnicity. I think that even happens amongst our own uh, when we compare ourselves, whether it be with the money that we have or where we live or the cars we drive or the clothes that we wear, um, and sometimes even in your own house, like there's, there's ways that we, uh, look better upon certain people and look less upon others and, and just have that, um, that chasm between us because we're maybe thinking too highly of ourselves and not realizing the struggles of the people around us. And, you know, I love the moments that when I am finally enlightened and I know that God uses those moments to teach me, um, that, you know, there are a lot of things, uh, that have happened and are continuing to happen that we really need to, need to get a hold of to, to strive to do better and to, to really wipe it out. You know, honestly, in 2020, uh, racism or discrimination of any kind shouldn't be a thing. Um, it should be so far from our minds because we've seen um, the fight. We've seen the struggles and we've seen the results of that. And we've seen 
how ugly it can be and has been and um you know if, and then being able to see that and we haven't learned as much as we should have learned from that sometimes it's alarming to think about um that there are honestly still people that that think the same way that they did 50 or 60 years ago more widespread it's uh you know definitely dwindled down but just to even realize that there are people in 2020 that can't look at a person of another uh, color and realize that they are a human being and that they're not inferior. And, and you realize, man, this is, you know, a whole, we're basically in the third decade of, of the uh, 20 of a new century. And we still, still have people who are like that. And, um, you know, and it, it's, it's a, I don't know, it's a very frustrating feeling. And, um, and so I know that I'm kind of rambling with this, uh, but it's just been something on my mind that I've just been thinking about that if we if we came together instead of arguing or instead of looking at others and discriminating and or whatever the way that we divide ourselves, whatever those things are, if we stopped doing that and started working together and started seeing uh, people in two different ways, those who believe and those who don't. And when we start seeing it that way, what we need to do is get together with the people who are believers and go seek the ones who don't believe and and let them know the love that Jesus Christ has for them and that he died for their sins and he he rose again on the third day on that first Easter to uh to conquer death and to give the give us the keys to the kingdom through him um and so that we can have everlasting life and um, if we start thinking on that level that, you know, you're either a believer or you're not, and then believers getting together and going seeking out the non-believers and delivering that message of good news and, and the gospel and treating, um, you know, them as though they are loved because they are. Everyone is, is loved um, by God and, and is, is created uh, by God. And, and so we need you know, we're all on that same level. Level, We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And, and before I accepted Christ, I was in the same boat as an unbeliever. So why should I look down on an unbeliever because they haven't accepted the truth? What I should do is look at them in the eye with compassion and, and humility and say, look, I love you enough to tell you about a God who saves. Um, instead of you know, turning my nose at them or, or arguing with them or whatever the case may be. But we can't even go to an unbeliever and spread the gospel sometimes because we're so busy arguing amongst ourselves as believers. And so uh, kind of getting to the, 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 the scripture that I kind of had to kind of um, kind of wrap it all up. It's in Acts chapter 6 and... Uh, Verse 1, it says, But as the believers multiply, rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Boy, is that um, relevant to today. And then it says, The Greek-speaking believers, in other words, the Gentiles, uh, complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, in other words, the Jews, the, the Jews who were converted um, into Christianity, uh, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. And so basically, you know, there was a complaint that there was a sect of, of widows that weren't being taken care of because of what their background was. And so 
when the twelve, talking about the twelve apostles, called the meeting of all the believers, they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are, who are well respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Verse 4 says, then, when, then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, or Timon, uh, honestly, sorry, it, the Lion King's got me pronouncing it that way. Uh, Parmenas and Nicholas of Antioch, an early convert to the Jewish faith. Uh, these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. And in verse 7, so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. And what's really cool about this is that when they brought those grumblings to the leaders, what they were like, look, you know, we should be helping out and everything, but we don't have time for that. We're focused on on delivering the message and what we've been called to do. So what we're going to do is we're going to set apart seven different men um, who who are, you know, capable of taking care of these things. And what we learn is is that the the ones chosen were all actually from different backgrounds, and so what they were done, you know, what they essentially did was take the different backgrounds, put them together, and have them working together towards one common goal. And then it says that that the number continued to spread, and the numbers you know increased greatly, and many of the Jewish priests were converted to, and that's a big deal, um, to to have some of the Jewish priests who spent their entire lives. Um, you know, dedicated to um, to the Jewish faith and and to the nation of Israel, and then to be some of the ones that actually the, themselves had a big hand in putting uh, Jesus on the cross. Uh, you know, basically saying that he he wasn't who he said he was, and then now coming back and converting and say, you know what, I was wrong. Um, he was the Messiah. And I'm acknowledging that now. And just the, the brevity of that is, is, is super cool when you really look at it from that perspective. But if you go back to the first verse, it basically says that the complaints were coming that um, there was kind of division even amongst the early church that the ones who were Jews and converted into Christianity, they were kind of like thought of as the the good ones, you know, quote unquote. And anybody else who was... Gentiles, which is basically anybody not a Jew, and you know they were the the peasants, the the pagan, the the heathens. You know those are those people, and uh, so any of those converts, there was a division amongst those. Uh, it's I hate to bring up a Harry Potter reference in uh, in a Christian podcast, but because uh, I know that that's a controversy in and of itself. But um, spoiler alert, I see no problem with it. Uh, but you know, they have a division amongst the wizarding world, uh, you know, based on pure bloods versus half bloods versus mud blood, you know, just all those different things. And this is kind of the same thing that even though they were all together for the common purpose, um, there were some who thought being from a Jewish descent was, and them being Christians was more pure than somebody who was, uh, from a completely different background and converting to Christianity that, you know, that they were less pure because they weren't Jewish. Um, and so, you know, there's this whole ordeal going on. And then, um, 
and it actually was, you know, basically the 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 ones with the Jewish background were skimping out on helping out uh, some of the widows, uh, you know, from different backgrounds, and so you know that was you know just kind of a sign of the uh, some uh, some early divisions in the church that honestly we still have things like that that happened you know two thousand years later um, that that still go on. And, uh, but what I like about it is, is that the leaders formulated a plan to get people that were a representation of a lot of different backgrounds to come together to kind of just delegate that to them. And and then they were all kind of working in unison after that. And I feel like that's the way we should be as churches is that we, we might be different and we might have different things that we do, worship styles, backgrounds, um, people inside the walls, but what we should also we should all have is a representation in our communities um, that are that's like minded and has uh, the common goal and the common purpose of spreading the news of Jesus Christ. And I feel like when we do that, and we each one of our churches, um, you know, whether it's just in our town, in our state, in the country, in the world, you know, no matter which uh, lens you look at through, whether it's a micro or a macro lens, that if we all look at our churches as a representation of the whole part instead of just the only one, then we honestly will get a lot more done and we will, um, you know, as far as leading people to Christ and showing people the love and taking care of the needy and meeting the needs of the people um, that, that God wants us to meet and that he has blessed us to be able to bless others for. And so that's my prayer. That's my uh, just, you know, my dream is that we do come together, no matter our differences, no matter where we're from, uh, whether we speak English or don't speak English, that um, when we're speaking the Word of God, we're all speaking the same language, and that's the language of love that only comes from Jesus Christ. Um, again, if you guys have any questions, you have any prayer requests, comments, whatever it may be, uh, you can email me at chaoticdevotionpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and I hope to hear from you and thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in each time I put one of these out. It really means a lot to me, uh, whether it's five or 50 or even just one, um, you know, I do this not for me. I, I I know that, you know, this is not something I'm going to get famous or whatever off of. I'm doing this because this is my way of, of using my gifts. And then even if just one person listens to this and it, and comes to Christ through it and, even if I never find out about it, it's totally worth it to me. Um, so that's my goal. That's my purpose. And I hope that's your purpose and your goal and whatever you do, uh, whatever your gifts are um, bestowed upon you, that you use them for the kingdom and use them to spread the gospel. And when we're all doing that together, using our own uh, our own gifts that God has given us, we're going to do great things. God bless you all. Love you. Tune in next week.